Hello and welcome back to the Hulkcast. We're coming at you a day after Aston Villa, I guess, um, gained a point from Stoke, if that's how you can uh, describe it. It was a rather disappointing 2-2 draw, but there are plenty plenty of positives to take from it and plenty of talking points. Me, James Rushton, I'm joined by Danny Raza, as usual. How are you feeling? Hello, man. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm feeling very positive about it. I think that there was a lot of overreaction going out on the social media yeah. on twitter like during the whole game and i just want to i just i just think that it's worth saying that we turned up to a game where we really weren't on form we were off we were really really off um and we managed to rescue a point out of it uh so i don't feel too downhearted honestly uh it wasn't a great performance and a lot needs to be improved since then but to come back from being behind twice I think it says uh, says something to the resilience of the team. Yeah, it's quite a theme for Villa at this point, isn't it? Coming, you know, from a goal down and uh, getting back into the game. Nottingham Forest, perfect case, uh, two goals down, and Birmingham City, two uh, again a goal down. So uh, fantastic stuff from Villa. But yeah, um, disappointed though. It doesn't mean distraught. It means we can still take some optimism. But I, I thought Villa would play a bit better at home against Stoke. I thought they'd rise to the occasion, and uh, it really looked like Stoke brought that A game. And I wasn't really expecting that. I think, you know, I thought that maybe it's their unbeaten run that has to come to an end. And it didn't look all day until about 10, you know, 10 minutes ago that it even looked close to coming to an end for them. It didn't look like we were going to beat them until it was far too late. Uh, that's a shame. Um, I think missing Jack Grealish, of course, was a huge blow. Yeah, yeah. Missing Jack Grealish was a blow. I think that one thing that we've seen since Dean Smith has come in is that uh, the four-two-three-one formation works really well. Uh, in the fact that we have a more creative midfielder sort of pushing a little bit further forward, but not only that, also dragging defenders off Tammy Abraham, giving Tammy Abraham a little bit more support up, up there. And I thought that's what we lacked just a little bit of uh, in, in in the game against Stoke City. Don't get me wrong, I've got nothing wrong against Glenn Whelan. And of course, you'll want to start him against Stoke. Uh, you know, with, I mean, uh, sorry, of course, you'll be tempted to start him against Stoke where he spent, um, you know, the better part of his career. But uh, really, it baffled me as to why Dean Smith felt that a change of system was, uh, was due for that game. Uh, a lot of it, it seemed as though Glenn was was sort of in line with the defence. Uh, and, and it really felt like we were lacking lacking a man up front. Uh, I think Conor Hurahan didn't really do a tremendous job of of uh, of doing the whole box-to-box thing. Um, and yeah, it was, it, was, it was interesting, to say the least. Yeah, so Villa went behind, uh, you know, to, unfortunately. Um, they would have went behind earlier on if uh, Oyen Neuland didn't step up to the, the task. He saved two pretty much guaranteed goals I'd say well struck shots and he stepped up to the plate and saved them and that's uh you know it makes a difference from recently when uh he's, he's coming for a lot of criticism and I think he really stepped up um in yesterday's game but uh, unfortunately it wasn't enough um but yeah I think uh, if we're looking as to why we didn't lose the game certainly we can look at the goals we scored but we can also look for our goalkeeper actually stepping up and saving some shots that he's meant to save yeah I mean I was I was I was a little bit disappointed with the Joe Allen goal initially, but I can I guess that 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 uh was quite high I guess for for him and it was and it seemed like more of a rocket in the end. Um, but yeah, I think I think I think Nyland obviously didn't really put a foot wrong in that game. Uh, I, I I still thought our defense was was pretty poor, but yeah, uh, Stoke really could have hammered us a lot more. I thought they were the better side. I think certainly going forward. 
And I am surprised they didn't score more against us, really, based on that performance. Yeah, we got back into it through a penalty. That man, Tammy Abraham, buried. Uh, after Jonathan Codger was brought on, of course, Codger hauled down in the box. Referee blew for a penalty. And Tammy can do no more than bury it. And uh, I think it's fair to say that Tammy Abraham's been somewhat of a revelation for us. It's really good to have a, a striker up front. And I mean, Codger was on pace for it a few seasons ago before his knee injury, or well, his ankle injury. But you no, know, for us, certainly, um, we've kind of lacked that. We were there about with Lewis Graben last season, but he came in. Of course, if you've seen that Sunderland Till I Die documentary, you'll know that he, he certainly left them in January to come over to us on loan. Nobody's seen that documentary. Nobody's seen Sunderland Till I Die. It's on Netflix. It's a massive documentary. <laughs> I've seen it. I've watched all of it. It's, it's really good. Um, but we, I feel like we've lacked that real quality up front. And uh, unfortunately, Scott Hogan came down to his injuries. I can't even remember who he had up front for most of last season. It must have been it, Lewis Graben Hogan. I can't kind of nah, share man. It, it was a long uh, up until up until Jack Grealish came back from injury. I think uh, we we had this period of time where we were really makeshift uh, and. I think we wait. We were waiting and waiting and waiting for Jonathan Codger to come back, and up until that point, basically it was it was Davis, Keenan Davis, and he was our main striker. Saved our season, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sh- shame he's nowhere to be seen at the moment, but yeah, yeah. Um, he he uh, was a sub last yesterday uh, in the last game, but uh, no, you didn't see much of him, and it's really unfortunate what's kind of happened to him. I mean, injuries, but he doesn't get the plaudits that he probably deserved last season. He come, he came up really big in the first half of the season and uh, probably wouldn't have ended up where we did last season without him. And a uh, big shame. I almost think that uh, a striker like that might have been a good call, in fact, yesterday. You know, you almost yeah. think that if you really wanted to change the system and you were lacking Jack Grealish, I would have maybe gone for the extra striker rather than the extra midfielder. I, I thought... Yeah, to start the game. Yeah. I, I And I, 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 guess, I guess this is something that Dean Smith will sort of realise over time when he sees what... Um, what the team are good at. Um, I suspect that Glenn Whelan won't get too much of a lick, look in at this point uh, in that sort of holding role. Yeah, he's, uh, it's not that he was any bad yesterday. It's just the the mobility that we need isn't there. The the, the uh, movement that the system demands, that Dean Smith's system demands, it isn't there. He's not mobile enough. Um, Connor Hurahan is. But with Grealish out, Hurahan moves up. And if Hurahan had on his A game up front, and you have to the midfield is just strangled without it, and that's you know that's really what yesterday's game was like. It was like a slow strangulation. Villa will outrun, absolutely, absolutely, and I think that that's why I I would say that what you want in there is either O'Hare or or, or Hogan. I'd I'd say ideally what you want is either O'Hare or Hogan. Don't get me wrong, Jonathan Codger came on and did brilliantly. Came on and did brilliantly. Fair play to him, but. I think that if you're lacking that number 10 who's going to run from deep, what you want instead is uh, some something similar to what Jack Grealish does really well. You want that support striker. You want that second striker, somebody who plays off the shoulder of Tammy Abraham perhaps and essentially drags the other defenders out. And I think that's what you want, somebody who can get in behind. Uh, and, I, and I think Hogan or, or O'Hare would have been ideal for that. Um, really what, ended up happening was that Tammy Abraham was very isolated uh, for, for for much of that game. And that's why we were really just no threat to Stoke. Yeah, I think uh, it was a bit of a poor, poor performance. And uh, what I felt myself feeling afterwards was, say if that was under um, Steve Bruce, I'd have been really happy with that result. Mm. You know, because the, the bar set lower, but we were under Dean Smith. It's just, 
I'm a bit deflated. Um, Stoke come to Villa Park and they've always done a, a good job against us in previous mm. seasons. But you thought maybe we could be the team to stop the momentum. And I can't be too too um, upset with it. But yeah, the disappointment is there that Villa weren't on their game and they should have been. And I do feel for Dean Smith because he did leave it late to make changes. And I think he trusted in his system. And the system, it's still it's still early doors yet. It's It's got to take effect of the whole club from top to bottom, not just the first team. It's got to go, go into the reserves and the next man up. And it hasn't really, really done so. And uh, he kind of failed to adapt. But again, what do you do? Do you kind of chuck it in and change everything when you, it seems like it isn't working? Or do you trust in it and have faith when all it has done so far is work? It's hard. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, guess, I guess he does need to... I, I guess he does need to sort of like try different things out, but uh, yeah, I, I guess look, Stoke City. I, I, you remember from the podcast last week, James? I, I expected a draw. I'm not disappointed with the result at all. I genuinely, yeah. genuinely came out of that game thinking, you know what, fair play, purely because you know what, we didn't play to our to our potential. We played better than that against against top sides generally. Um, and I, I think the fact that we managed to salvage something when clearly we had it all wrong from the beginning says something. We rescued something despite the fact we were outplayed and basically went into that game. We, look, we miscalculated. Dean Smith miscalculated that whole game. He miscalculated it. But somehow or another, we still managed to, to pull something out of it rather than giving up. Yeah, um, it looked like Stoke had about twice the amount of players because we didn't have Grealish so they were able to put another body on our key players you know sometimes you saw three people on John McGinn in midfield and there's certainly two men on each of our wingers at points Blassie and Al Ghazi were strangled out of the game and John McGinn he did a superb job in that match of getting anything out of it at all because you know as I said three players on him pressing him it was tough and uh, Connor Hurahan just looked rattled the entire game, and uh, I really do feel for Villa because they were. They, I don't think they expected that at all. I don't think they expected Stoke to turn up and really put the A game out because, you know, James McLean, Tom Ince, Berahino, they just ran Villa ragged. Ryan Woods, it was just so difficult. Which is silly, really, because you look at Stoke's attack force, right in that in that game, and you think how, you know, you look at the lineups and you think how on earth have we gone into that game with? I won't say the less threatening attack force but with more of a defensive formation, with more of a defensive strategy, when you look at that side, genuinely. Uh, I thought Joe Allen, by the way, as you, as you say, fantastic, right? And, he, and he, he, he always has been an underrated player, but, you know, they've, they've come in uh, with Ince Berahino and fair enough, McLean perhaps isn't your traditional forward. Uh, he's played sort of more uh, out on the wing for them. But, uh, you know, they, they've got that in comparison to basically what we've lined up with is, is Abraham up front on his own. And I, I, I think it's a bit, it's a bit weird to see that, to think that you think we as the home side would, would have a little bit more emphasis on, on attack. Yeah. But you've, as you said, you may have dropped Abraham a little deeper, put Hogan in, played the two up front. It, it seems simple for us. And I guess um, Dean, obviously have as his reasons. And I think he had every right to stick with his system. If it's, it's worked up to this point, this is the first time since it's, you know, he's really started apart from those initial, you know, losses. And I'm, I'm not going to hold that against him or the tactics. It's just, this is the first time we've encountered any difficulty. It's also the first time our defense has been really called into question. As we said last week, our defense is bad. 
And it's not necessarily the players. It's just the whole, <laughs> the concept of our defence doesn't really exist. Well, look, Alan Hutton's forced to play out on the left-hand side. El Mohamedi's playing playing at right back, which 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 honestly, I, I like El Mohamedi at right back, but he has no support from El Ghazi, uh, really. Uh, and I also thought that he was a bit unlucky with the penalty. I think uh, it was a bit stupid of him, to be honest, but it wasn't to do with defensive frailty, I don't think. Yeah. Um, it was just it was just dumb. Um, and I don't I don't I don't honestly know looking back at that whether it was a whether it was a very hard penalty to give anyway. Um but yeah, uh Al Ghazi on the right hand side isn't gonna be able to shield El Mohammadi. Alan Hutton on the left hand side, look, he's a right back playing at left back. It it's it's just not it's not good enough. Um I think I saw the point brought up on Twitter that he looked he was really good at left back last season, but now we're asking so much more of our fullbacks than to just get the ball hoof it and then run up in support. Yeah. We're asking them to play football. So, but then again, there is times yesterday when he just wasn't there and you could see him kind of ambling back to his position. And for our first goal, I think the first goal we conceded, the Joe Allen one, it's just, where the where was he? Well, you've got him up against Tom Ince, you know, our left back. And that's just... It's unfair, really. I mean, I, I guess, I guess you can you can see where it might work with the whole cutting in, but yeah, no, he's not a left back, and, yeah, and he's, he's getting old. He's getting too old to fill in there. You know, let's let's say how it is. He's losing his pace, and I think if you're if you're if you're a right back playing at left back, you're, you're gonna need to have that sort of extra step. You know, in case the winger sort of runs past you on your outside, uh, and and Alan Hutton won't have that at the moment. Yeah, it's still a big problem and uh, it's not one we're going to be able to solve anytime quickly. James Bree still kind of carrying an injury. Would you have set him loose the last match? No, just where for do you would have to go at left back, wouldn't he? And that's just not suitable at all. Um, but yeah, he might have the fitness. I say not, I say fitness, he's carrying an injury. He might have the pace. I don't know. It's just um, it's something that's not going to be solved until we chuck money at it. Is it because we don't have Mitch Clark because we let him go? don't know why. We had, we had no left back, so why would you let him go? No, no, no idea. But uh, yeah, again, that's another Steve Bruce decision. Tommy Alphick picking up man of the match, but yeah, we don't really need a centre back. No, we need centre back support, but Tommy Alphick's picking up man of the match awards at Hull. Just I don't get it. No, I know we've 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 addressed this so so often. Um, yeah, re- I and I I think he like he really didn't leave us in a mess. Really left us in a mess. Let's be honest, Alphick, love him. But you wouldn't get in over Twanzebe or Chester. It's just the fact that you need him on the bench. And I don't think that's very respectful of him and his abilities. Just bring him back and pull him on the bench. I don't know. It's just the whole thing. I mean, maybe he could play back three. But then we'll need another centre-back anyway. But I, don't I, don't know, know. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I guess against a, against a side like Stoke City, I'd probably go Elphick over, over Twanzebe. Well, yeah. I mean, you were justified in that because he had a right mare at one point. Um, Nyland was coming out to claim a ball. And Tuan Zibi, you know, even if Nyland didn't call for it, it wasn't vocal enough. Tuan Zibi took it right out of his hands. He's not good enough in the air. He's he's he's, he's a fantastic centre back. Don't get me wrong. He's not good enough in the air. And I, I, against against like Stoke City, you probably you probably, you probably want to be. Um, I mean, fair enough. We weren't really troubled in the air by them yesterday, but yeah, he's, he's he still makes mistakes, Tuan Zibi. And with a player like that, you you can't expect them to to play every single game in the championship. Just because it's a long goal season, they're still learning, and yeah, you want to you want to be able to bring Tanzibi in when he's called upon, but you know you need the experienced heads in at, at, at times like these. Yeah, I think with uh, our 
our defensive issues and the way we play at the back. We do look comfortable playing the ball out, you know, in, in certain positions. Uh, we'll, we'll happily pass it back to Nyland, who will pick out someone. It's it's good. But uh, I think what our system demands is is the reason why Liverpool paid so much money for Virgil van Dijk because mm. not only is he comfortable on the ball and he can pass, he's going to find that risky pass that no one else is looking for. <laughs> van Dijk's also the ultimate centre-back, isn't he? Yeah, though he's a perfect, complete centre-back. And yeah, you can look at the fact he was playing against uh, Villa under 23s last season for Southampton. But we we won't pick, we'll pick the boring safe pass and that can sometimes invite actually more pressure on. If you're passing around in a triangle in the back, yeah, it looks good and it's what you should do. But when Stoke kind of start leaning forward and pressing you, then you've got problems and you're not going to, no one's going to pick the risky pass to kind of unleash Villa. Do you know who is really good for that? Like, um, if you ignore the own goals. <laughs> Go on. Richard Dunn. <laughs> he loved a little a little pass over the defence, didn't he? Yeah, and it's, I, f- I feel like that's what we're missing. And maybe it's instructions, so maybe I'm talking out my backside here. But uh, I feel like that's something that will be exploited at Villa. You know, we're getting beat on the wings with pace and power. We're getting beat in the centre because we won't take risks. And it's... Villa's defence is a calamity and I can't explain that to anyone. You know, look at the players and oh, play, the players we've got there are all good enough. It's just, there is just something lacking and it can't always come down onto the goalkeeper. It really can't because if the defence isn't there, it's pointless having him. Pointless having anyone in goal if, with the chances we gave up yesterday. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's, it, was, it was a shame. Uh, Stoke City basically were just far better in terms of uh in terms of shooting we let them have 16 shots on goal yeah um and that that's that's you know that's not good enough uh in general what? from us and that that basically that basically tells you that having the extra man in midfield did not help in stopping uh stopping Stoke City from creating op- creating opportunities that's what's interesting to me because you would think that you know having that anchor man in there helping out the defense You'd you'd be stopping things, wouldn't you? But mm. this is where we maybe miss somebody like Jadonak, I guess. Yeah, and mm. uh, I don't think he'll play again for Villa, which is a uh, unfortunate. No. But he'll get his dream move. You know, will the move he deserves back to his uh, home country, and he'll be a, the star man there. But um, it just looks like we don't have room for him, and he's he's done a, a really good job for us so far. I think it's a shame that the climax of the his Villa career wasn't as good as how it started. Yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, Stoke City is far better at passing, better, you know, more possession. Um, and I, I guess, I, I guess it's it's difficult to put the finger on one particular problem because I think a lot of this applies to the midfield as well as the defence. Um, and I, we conceded two goals. Yes, we did. One of them was a silly penalty. Uh, one of them was, you know, somewhere where perhaps Alan Hutton should have done better. But all in all, uh, it, it was a, it was a performance where the midfield failed to control the game, um, man for man. We didn't beat Alan Woods and Cluckers, who I think man for man, you can make a very very arguable play, uh, arguable uh, case that are, are, are better than Hurahan McGinn and Whelan as a three. Uh, and I'm not saying that's that's the case, but what I'm saying is you can argue it. Um, and then of course up front, I guess we we were fine. I guess. All yeah, all in all, a real shame. I think it was a uh, an opportunity missed. But yeah, I'm gonna sit here and look at the positives. And that's a point one. 
that's a point we might not have had under Steve Bruce. So yeah, um, I do applaud the team there. It's just a shame how it all went down. And I think uh, the weather, the, you know, the entire situation of the match, the context of the match, freezing cold, rubbish weather. <laughs> you leave that and you can't help but feel a bit, oh, I wish that was a win. But yeah, no, but it's a point. It is a point one rather than a point lost. Yeah, I totally agree. It's a point gained, and uh, yeah, Villa are turning these games that they should have lost into draws and games they might have drawn it under the previous regime into wins. Like the Middlesbrough game, we took a win there. We probably shouldn't have had. So we'll take that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, before the game, exactly tough team playing away, and we beat them three 0 So take that. And these are racking up. Yeah, uh, it's just unfortunate that due to the way the club was left in October that we need more wins and draws if we want automatic promotion, which is the club deserves. Well, look, what, what I said was, uh, that we are, we're, we're, we're doing better than we're supposed to be anyway. Like the fact that we're even where we are and the fact that we're getting the results that we are in general, uh, despite the fact we are absolutely, we are basically a Frankenstein, uh, well, one of Frankenstein's monsters um, at the back at the moment. You know, we're, we are pieced together somehow or another. Uh, you know, we're throwing people at left back who aren't supposed to be playing there. We've only got two centre backs. Um, we've got somebody who uh, perhaps is more considered a winger playing at full back. It's not my, uh, it's not my opinion. But uh, you know, it, we, the fact that we're even where we are right now is is good. You know, we were left in a mess, so. I, I can't I can't sit here and say that I'm disappointed, you know, getting draws against the likes of Stoke City or West Bromwich Albion uh, when two months ago we would have lost those fixtures. Yeah, we were all looking at this from the fixtures over the festive period and before, and I think from the Derby game onwards as a you know a horror a horror schedule, and we've come out of it looking really good. So massive plaudits there. I think Dean Smith's done an amazing job at Villa, and how positive we are, are we? And you know the fact that we're looking at a two-two draw. And discussing what we're disappointed with. A 2-2 draw against recently relegated Stoke with a really decent team and a good manager. And discussing our disappointment, I think that's a massive turnaround. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and I, again, I'm happy with the fact that we managed to, to to pull goals back in that game. We could have shut down. We could have shut off at the site or at the, at the idea that, uh, you know, they, they've got the better of us twice. They've gone in front of us twice, but we've still managed to managed to come back and I think that's I think that's just it just shows more resolve because we wouldn't even dream of coming back from from a goal down last season no not at all and uh we saw that many times against Sheffield Wednesday especially just getting battered and on our own turf and yeah yesterday we were we were well beaten on our own turf but we came out of it with a draw and you cannot count us out that is the point we cannot count us out right now we are that side who is always Basically, you if you if you are leading against us in the 80th minute, 85th minute, watch your back. You know that 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 is that is what I'm saying. You know when we we have you turned into Villa's height? No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, James. Like, <laughs> look, it's 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 good. It's good to see. I remember the days last season where, in fact, even earlier in this season, you know where where it's one nil. Uh, second, I mean, you know, seconds to go, maybe. Um, uh. In fact, no, no, sorry. Let me, let me, let me replace that. Minutes to go, 80th minute, 85th minute. You do not see us in possession. You do not see us create a single chance. And I, I, we, I've seen that happen so many times. And you just think there's no point watching the rest of the game because we absolutely shut off. And I'm seeing something different from us now. And 
again, I'm just happy with the fact that we that we came back into the game. I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to be somebody who's overly positive. There was so many negatives in that game. But sometimes you have an off day. Teams have their off days. Arsenal, for example, today had their off day, didn't they, right? Uh it's just one of those things. But the fact that we were able to get a point on our off day is is just saying something. Yeah, I can't you know, can't agree with you more there, mate. I think you've really nailed that. And I think uh with your new role as Villa's hype man, I'm expecting you to come out, lead the team out with uh, like Flavor Flav, with a massive clock. Flavor Flav. Yeah, with a massive clock around your neck, screaming into the mic. I'd enjoy that, personally. But uh, enough hype. I'm going to need you to give your match ball award for the game. I am going to give my first one to Jonathan Codger because of the importance of that goal. That's, yeah, bang on. Uh, my one... Has to go to John McGinn. Um, didn't do much in terms of goals or whatever, but being double marked, triple marked on occasions, pressed across the game, kicked about, took the Grealish role of getting battered, um, looked really good, looked in his element, and uh, came out of that match with my, you know, my respect goes to new levels for him after that. I mean, it was already high enough already, but man, really good, world-class performance yesterday from him. I can't rave about him enough. Um, you know how difficult it is when you're playing football and one man's chasing you down, how how pressurised that is. He had three mm. really good midfielders or defenders on him at, at most points in the game and he came out of it looking good. So fantastic. Um, shame that some of Villa's other players couldn't kick on, but yeah, it was difficult for him. So we've got Codger having one from you, McGinn having mm-hmm. one from me. Who's a joint one? And I wanted to say Nyland for mine, my original one, but I can't look over McGinn. So there's three there's three guys here in my opinion who you can give this to, and it is honestly really hard because I I I understand what you're saying with Nyland. Uh, he to be fair to him, he did make six saves. Stoke City did have a real go at him, and and I hear that. Uh, but also Tammy Abraham, I think he won the penalty and was able to take it, and that that's that's fair to him. He was also sort of almost playing on his own up there in a, in a sense. But then I think like the one that I'm leaning to just at the moment, and we'll, we'll figure this out. We'll figure this out. The one that I'm leaning to at the moment is Yannick Velassi switching onto that left, switching onto that right-hand side and, you know, finding the position to send that cross into, to, to Jonathan Codger. I am very, very inclined to give it to him because of, again, for that goal at the end, uh, it's a hard one for me, James. I think we're going to go with Balassi, mate. If you're ready for that. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Nyland just did his job and didn't go above and beyond. I think Abraham, I don't know. I don't know what to say. He was really good. But when you're looking for impact, I think Yannick Balassi had a really tough game. Like Codger, double mark. No, like um, McGinn, double, triple marked on, on times, kicked about. Had some difficulty, passes misplaced, um, shots taken, lack of confidence maybe at some points. But he came up when we needed him, and we needed him late on to deliver that cross in, and he did. So I, I, I say Balassi. Yeah, I think it's also worth mentioning that he did help the defence a couple of times as well, uh, at very key moments, um, particularly sort of uh, when Villa were on the back foot. And I think I think it's worth just pointing that out. He did make two tackles in that game too. Yeah, I think uh, he may not have had his best game. He may not have had, have had a man of the match. 
game, which is ironic, but I think when we really <laughs> needed him, he was there, put a good ball in as he does. He he became himself once more, found the space and uh, got us back into the game and kept saved that point for us, which is, uh, yeah, I think deserving of a match ball to say the least. Uh, shame for a Nyland who probably would have uh, got his maybe only award that the goalkeeper can get <laughs> this season, but Belassi, uh take the cake, really. Is is this Belassi's first match ball? I think it's his second. Second, right? Okay. Fair. Yeah, Fair. yeah. I, I, I'm down with that. McGinn's had a few. Codge, I think that's Codger's first. Grand Lemons. It is. Yeah. It is. But he's had the chance to. That's why. Yeah, that's true. So, so yeah, happy with that. Um, two two against Stoke. Uh, just again, there's reasons to be disappointed. Reasons to be optimistic. Um, it's it's a perfect draw, really, isn't it? But uh, next week, Sunday. We play Leeds United. This is the world-famous Leeds United, the table-topping almost Leeds United. Marcelo Bielsa's Leeds United. Yeah, Villa seem to be in for a bit of a test at home. Mm, I'm, I really don't want to lose this one. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Is there any particular reason you don't want to lose this one rather than it's, losing at home? It's not that I don't like Leeds United, but let, let, let's, let's, let's be real. We're the two big boys of the championship. Aren't we? Let, let's. They, yeah. I think Aston Villa and Leeds United are the two alpha males in the championship. They're the two teams that should be getting promoted every single season. He can only get promoted once. No, I know, no, what, you I mean, mean, I know what you mean. I'm being pedantic. I just thought. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. <laughs> every single season, the championship starts off. You'll have a Nottingham Forest fanship up now. Going. What about what about us? No, I let them. But let, when was the last time Nottingham Forest were were challenging for? For anything, Leeds United were 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 there or thereabouts in the nineties, you know. They've been there or thereabouts um, forever, pretty much. Right. Yeah, yeah. Before we were born, mate. Exactly, and I think Leeds United show more more now than Nottingham Forest do at the moment in terms of you know in terms of ambition. And I think also, I think look, I wouldn't have maybe said it last season or the year before, but this season, Aston Villa and Leeds United both look like teams with big ambitions. They both look like teams who, if they got promoted to the Premier League, would be fine. Um, and I think, I think really when you when you when you look at all the sides in the Championship, perhaps uh, Leeds United, Aston Villa are up there as the two strongest. I'd say there's four teams in the Championship who are who are above the rest of them at the moment, and I'd say that's Villa, Leeds, Norwich, and West Brom. So yeah, it's a big it's a big clash. I don't want to lose this game. Me either, mate. Really, I really couldn't take it if we lost this one. Um, especially because I think you really want to match Leeds' pace. If you want automatic promotion or even to finish like third, which is probably the most powerful playoff position you can finish in, third, because you play the sixth place team. If you want to finish third, you've at least got to keep pace with Leeds because there's, uh, I mean, we looked at the start of the season and said, you know, that there is no strong, really strong team in this championship. There's no Fulham. Wolves or even Cardiff you know this is for the taking and then you kind of look at Leeds and go okay there is a team now setting the pace and Norwich are still there employed this to them and Stoke as we've seen so teams are waking up and getting there and Tony Pulis's Middlesbrough ain't going away despite us caning them so it's just it is getting hectic um, Villa need a win I, I wouldn't say it's the end of the world if they lose but they mm-hmm. want to think about this as a six pointer and uh, again, we won't go too deep in this match because I've already recorded a 40-odd minute preview uh, with Leeds <laughs> fan John, John McKenzie about this where he, he can speak at length and with the insight and expertise that only a fan of that team can have. 
But uh, we know enough about Leeds and how they've played this season and, and the manager, Marcelo Bielsa, to say that this exactly. will be, it'll be a test. I think Leeds fans are actually looking at this as themselves as a test and they've got a really shallow squad. This Christmas period might tear them apart. Who knows? That, that will only, We'll only know that after the fact and this game on the 23rd is when that period kicks off. So until that match is done and dusted, Villa versus Leeds, we won't know anything. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all good saying Bielsa's a great manager. He is. Leeds have a great team, maybe, um, but they're certainly performing really well. We won't know how it plays out until afterwards. It's it's all up in the air. Well, look, the top of the table. The top of the table. So, um, if we're if we're gonna look at it and, and try and hype it, um, yeah, Dijon. This is basically the best team in in the championship at the moment. So. We've got to be up for it. We have to be up for it. And let's just hope Jack Grealish is back. Yeah, if there's a team I'll um, compare Villa to right now, they do seem to be very comparable to West Brom, Darren Moore's West Brom. Mm-hmm. And West Brom have kind of had the uh, upper hand over Leeds this season, so phew, they might be behind in points, but um, I think they beat them uh, this season. So I think that's what I heard yep. off John. So yeah, I, you know, not talking about the backside there. But, uh, you know, at home, I think Villa step up the game. Even if Jack Grealish isn't there, give something lead, give Leeds something to worry about, and don't let them double mark your best players, please. Yeah. Um, Glenn Whelan wasn't bad, but no one's going to mark Glenn, the defensive midfielder. But, you know. Can I just can I just say as well what I don't know what the point of Glenn Whelan was in that game? He did not make a single tackle. Yeah, that is a fact. That is a fact. He did not make a single tackle. He was just there to recycle the possession and uh, the, mo- the mobility was, wasn't there. You know, he's not going to make a tackle unless it's in a desperate circumstance. He is basically, he, uh, I, look, he, at times he's done well. He's come off the bench and he's absolutely bulldog teams, right? And I think that's, I think that's what's really good about Glenn Whelan and there's definitely a place for him in the team. But uh, if he plays like he did or plays in the position that he did uh, the other day, uh, he's basically a less mobile Ashley Westwood. Yeah, I was thinking yesterday, Ashley Westwood would be all right, be all right in this team. <laughs> you know, it's amazing what these conclusions bring you to and uh, how Villa players eventually turn out. But yeah, I don't, you know, I don't think Whelan was bad against Stoke. I just think the role wasn't needed. You know, I don't think we needed that. We needed someone like, say, Romain Sawyers, who we're linked to, someone to just. Again, bulldog him, but also someone who's going to be holistic and carry the ball from the back to the front. Yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. Someone for the other team to worry about, and it's no, you know, I'm not going to sit here and diss Glenn Whelan, who's done a job for us all season, but I am going to say no one is going to mark Glenn Whelan when he's playing that far back. Yeah, exactly. No, no one's going exactly. to be him. and yeah, he's not going to make a tackle because the runner plays completely against him. So it's just unfortunate for him that he was in that position, but it's going to be tough, you know, leads. And Marcelo Bielsa watched every single Leeds match before he applied to that job. He takes his job seriously, as any manager should do, worth their salt. And he comes into the game with the reputation of a, a manager with a, a, passion, a passion for the game and an analytical mindset applied to, you know, a true holistic footballing philosophy. He is the football hipster's choice in general, Marcelo Bielsa, isn't he? He is, uh, he is one of those managers who... Uh, will basically be the front cover of of, of, of indie football magazines, di- you know, people dissecting his system, what he's done at his previous clubs. And that's 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 what Marcelo Bielsa has always been. Um, and 
I think I think actually right. Let's set let's set let's set this aside and think from a neutral's perspective. You have two beautiful footballing sides playing against each other, and you've got Dean Smith against Marcelo Bielsa. I think you've got the two most analytical, tactical managers in the Premier, uh, sorry, in the Championship, up against each other, and I think it could make to be a thing of beauty. With that in mind, then, and with the with in mind that we've got a massive Leeds preview podcast to roll out, an additional podcast for you guys, I'm going to need your prediction for Villa versus Leeds, mate. Uh, it's hard because I don't know if Grealish is going to be back or not. Probably, um, let's assume he won't be. Let's assume he won't be. I'd want I'd want Wheeling out and, and O'Hare in. Uh, cool. And you you know how you know how sort of uh, picky I am about picking youngsters in general. But uh, I think you know it is almost time. I'd perhaps do that. Give them something to frazzle their mind. Um, if we were to do that, I would I would give us a. Oh man, three-one victory. That's the exact result I was going to go for. Really, the exact one. Yeah, three-one. I'm, I'm going. I'm, I'm going to stick with my guns as well and say three-one. Fortunate to be boring, mate. But uh, I was literally going to say three-one. <laughs> oh, good. So, uh, me and you on the same page. We we have to we have to get going and play four-two-three-one. We need to play with a number ten. We need somebody who's going to come off the back of Tammy Abraham. Ideally, uh, we we can't. We can't go into it with the with the mindset of having a linchpin midfielder. We don't play like that, and our wingers aren't fast enough to to deal with that. Uh, in my honest opinion, um, so yeah, that's what we need to do. We need yeah. we need somebody who's able to keep this game an arrow. I'm not saying three one because I don't rate Leeds. It's just Villa need to bounce back. I think they've got the right coaching team and the right mindset and the right manager to bounce back. It's just going to be a big ask. But it's at home. I think we've got a lot going for us. Um, Leeds have a shallow squad. Um, they've got a lot coming up. And they've lost size, of course, to Getafe. So that's a blow. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm hoping we turn up on a day, as we should. Big occasion. And uh, blow Leeds away. Because this would be a massive statement to the Championship. It would be like the Derby. If we win, it would be bigger than that Derby game. Um, not the second city Derby, but the Derby County one away. It'll be, that was a massive result. This would be just as... It'll be bigger. It'd be massive, and I really hope uh, Villa can do that. I'd be, uh, I wouldn't be disappointed to lose to this Leeds team, especially one with Bielsa at the helm and one that is at the top of the Championship. It'll just be a know your place kind of re- result. Yeah, it'll be gussing. No, no, I, I, I would be, I would be disappointed. I, I would be because now this is when you, st- this is, this is our like you know you look in the Premier League. And if you're a fan of a big side, this is your Liverpool versus Manchester United. This is your Chelsea versus Arsenal. This is your Spurs versus Arsenal. This is James. This is this is when you're playing. This is you're playing up against basically your your biggest rival for promotion. I think that's what Leeds are to us genuinely, uh, and and I think that a defeat against them would be gutting, because as you say, it would be like a know your place kind of thing, wouldn't it? And if you lose to them, you're basically being told, well. Look, you're not the big dogs in this cha- in the, in this race. You know we are, uh, and and I, and I think that we need to do that to Leeds United because yeah. otherwise they're going to have the one up on us for the rest of the season. Yeah, again, it's uh, maybe I'm too submissive then in my support of uh, Aston Villa, and I've become accepting of a lower role in the Championship. You're, you're totally right. I think uh, I know your role loss, know your place loss. 
it'll be, it'll be, yeah, it would have, wouldn't it? Being told, you know, being told by Leeds United fans who had a good season, being told by their club that, like, yeah, you went, you went us, you went on on a level, and we've beat you at home, at your big stadium, we beat you. Going. Exactly. Exactly. One more in seconds. That being said, right. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna push aside the possibility that a massive Pontus Janssen header basically buries us in the in the 90th minute. Oh. There's there's always that possibility. Um, yeah. they do well against this Leeds. They do. Uh, it's just the way that they play. But it should be interesting to see what happens when Bielsa meets Smith. Yeah, um, for sure, man. So thank you for coming on today, mate. I think no that's the end of the podcast. Where can people find your good work? At Raza Journo. Uh, but it's mainly just tweets now, man. <laughs> my uh my my work is uh Yeah, I'm not I'm not not got any not got any secondary projects at the moment. Fair enough. Let's put it that way. But you can you can talk you can you can you can send in any comments that you have for the show towards me or James. Yeah, you can find me at Jamie Rushton and find us together at 7500 to Holt. Um, I'm not sure if we'll have an episode over the Christmas period because I'm away. And the, uh, yeah, so I'm not going to be on my mic or anything or have my mic with me. But um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. And uh, so, yeah, have a good Christmas. Maybe a good New Year. I think we'll be, we'll have an episode before the New Year, maybe, I, I believe. But um, yeah, as for Leeds United and Swansea, you'll have to stay tuned to the site and see if I write, I'm bothered enough to write anything about it over Christmas <laughs> pretty much but yeah thanks Danny for coming on thank you all guys for listening have a good Christmas have a good new year and here's the three points hopefully goodbye <laughs>